Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Two scriptures. The first scripture is found in John chapter 17. And we're going to put it on the screen. If you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles because it will just be a lot easier for you to go back to your Bibles to be able to, because I'm going to continue to go back to it throughout the topic this morning. But our first is our series, John 17, 15. Jesus says, my prayer, he's speaking for his disciples, for his their early church. My prayer is not that God takes them out of the world, but that you protect them. And again, put your name where the them is. You protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. The components of this really is found in verse 16. We're in, but not of this world. We're in, but not of this world. And so that means that I am here on a mission. As a follower of Jesus, I have a mission. It's not up to me to say when I'm going to check out. I'm in this world. He's designed that I would be alive today. But as I am living in this world, this world is not my my home. My home is where the Lord is. And so I'm not going to simply just go the, the road that is wide and just do what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing that. I'm, I'm in the world, but I'm not of this world. This world does not define me. This world does not label me. God does. So the topic today, I'm, which is around this, is found in Matthew chapter 15. And this is really today's text. Verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Son of David, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed, and I am suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You ever been to a Blue Jays game? Uh, maybe not a Blue Jays game, maybe a, a minor league game. But a number of years ago, we like to go when we can to a Jays game. And uh, Lori and I took our kids to a Jays game when they were quite small. They were playing the Tigers, Detroit Tigers, and the Jays were just being uh, pounded in the first few innings by the Tigers. Tigers ra- racked up a bunch of runs. It was in the bottom of the fourth inning. The Jays were up to bat, and the pitcher was struggling. Uh, the Jays had uh, – he was having a hard time finding the strike zone. He, When he did find the strike zone, the, he was throwing it, and they could see it, and they were hitting it and hitting it hard. The Jays were coming close to tying the game. It brought the fans into the game. Up until then, we were, like, dead. And But when the game started getting close and it was getting good, fans came alive. And they all began, and not all, but fans all around us began, we could hear them heckling the preacher. What they were trying to do was they were trying to unravel him because he was obviously shaken. 
Uh, he, the last place he wanted to be was pitching right now because he was being beaten up. And so they were, they were heckling him and they were saying all kinds of things to try to, again, like I say, unravel this picture. And in the midst of all that, one of my kids leaned over and they said to me, they said, I never want to be a baseball pitcher. And I, I asked why, I mean, keep, keep in mind, like, you know, it's a pretty good job. And they said, because people don't like them. And I remembered that. I remembered that that comment was based on he's being rejected by people and it's not fair. I don't want that. People shouldn't do it. It's in that vein, this story comes about. This story comes about because it's a story of discrimination, a time of injustice, a time of uh, social, uh, social caste systems. And it was a time when it's Jesus and Jesus is in the middle of this. So I want to start off by saying this story in Matthew chapter 15 is fundamentally a test. It's a test. I'm going to put that up a number of times because this test is for the disciples and it's a test of a woman. Those are the two groups of people. A woman and the disciples are being tested. But nonetheless, it is a test. You see, a great teacher doesn't simply teach. A great teacher demonstrates. You can say a lot, but if you can't demonstrate it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't retain, it doesn't stay. And so Jesus is bringing out a very valuable lesson. So the story starts off, it talks about where Jesus was trying to get away. They pulled back. There was a lot of activity taking place, and Jesus was wanting to get a little bit of breath of fresh air. He was stepping back from a pretty busy period in their life when he's approached by this woman. Now, let's pick up the story of how this begins to, uh, to begin to play out. First of all, it takes place in a region called Tyre. So it's a Gentile region. And the Jews and the Tyranians don't really get along. There's been some rifts between them over the years and decades. So they can do commerce together. They do business, but they really deep down don't like each other. They, they can put up with each other, but they really, they don't see eye to eye. It's, there's, there's definitely discrimination. You see that. This woman in the story is regarded as an outcast. And she comes to Jesus in a traditional beggar posture. You see, because of that discrimination, she's approaching Jesus on his turf. So she's not coming cocky. She's not coming like she's entitled. She's coming like a beggar. And the beggar, the way the beggars begged, and there were a lot of them in that day, they would say, have mercy on me. And they would often be in the squares and the marketplace. And they would, whoever came by, have mercy on me, have mercy. on." That was their phrase. That was the catchphrase. That's exactly what she does. She positions herself in the story as a beggar approaching Jesus. Now, what was her story? Her story was that she's a mom. Uh, we don't have any reason to believe that she's a beggar. We don't have any reason to believe that she's particularly poor all we know is that she's not of the Jews and she's approaching Jesus, but she's approaching Jesus because of her daughter. 
She loves her daughter dearly. Would it be safe to say she'd do anything for her daughter? And her daughter is harassed by a demon. The woman says her daughter is suffering. She's not just, doesn't just have occasional manifestations. Her daughter is suffering and she can't bear to see her daughter suffer. For whatever reason, she, she, she targets and goes after Jesus. Maybe she has sought every help there was. Maybe she has gone to, to her own people. Maybe she's gone to her own physicians. Uh, maybe witch doctor. We, we aren't told. Nothing of that is said, except that she comes to Jesus and in beggar form, she postures herself, have mercy on me. But here's the interesting thing. She adds the word before that. She says, Lord, have mercy on me. Ah, well, that reveals something. She's a believer in Jesus. Lord, the word Lord means master, savior. It's a high position. Lord, that would be, it would be written down in capital letters, L-O-R-D, capitalized. Lord, have mercy on me. Not just, hey, you, another passerby or a healer, but I believe in you, Lord. Have mercy on me. And she says, why? So remember, this is a, every time I put this up, go ahead and say it, okay? This is a test, two-part test, one for the woman, one for the disciples. And I'm going to suggest one more. It's a test for me. This story is your test. So sorry, I'm giving you a test today. So no, don't, don't tune out. Don't go to another, don't switch to another station. Don't go to commercial. This is a day of test, but this is a good test. This is a test you want to take. So let's go into the test because this, I'm going to call this the title today, the in test. Remember we're in a series called in, but not of. So how do we know if we're in, but not of? Well, we got to take a test. So let's take a test. Let's see. Here we go. Let's go. She's entire. This is taking place. She comes and she says, Lord, have mercy on me. Here's what happens next. Jesus says not a word. We're not told of his posture, but there's the assumption that Jesus doesn't even make eye contact. That, you know, it's not like he, he sniffs and turns away. Uh, he just ignores her. She's not even on the radar. Now we heard her. Everybody heard her. But he ignores her. Now this is going to challenge. I'm just going to pause here again. Everybody listening. This might challenge your, your view of Jesus for a while. But stay with me. You've got to stay with me. Because remember, remember, don't ever lose sight. This is a, it's a test. Remember? He's illustrating something. So he ignores her. The woman's daughter is suffering terribly. She appeals to his humility. She comes in reverence, Lord. And he acts as if he didn't even hear her. He acts with apparent silence, indifference, rejection, kind of like the people treating that picture that day from the tigers, that they were rejecting him. Now, if you go to the synoptic account of Mark and read the same story, Mark doesn't give all the details that Matthew does because Matthew is treating this as a, Test. Mark doesn't. Mark's simply relaying a story. So what's she going to do? How deeply does she want healing for her daughter? Is she willing to trust this man? Is she willing to lay it all on the line this day for this man? It's a test. 
Now, was the test fair? I'm going to answer that question because we already know the answer. The test is not fair. No, the test is a discriminatory test. Jesus has just echoed what the common sentiment was of the people that he was addressing. She was a Samaritan. She was from the Tyranian people. She was not a, and she was a woman at that. And that was even like women weren't considered even equal at that time. And so that was simply the set of, that was the, the feeling and thought of the day. Jesus was not out of line with what people expected of him. Now you and I, we expect a lot more because, you know, Holy Spirit lives inside us. And when I read this, I go, oh, that's not my Lord. He wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. Somebody got it wrong. Well, we read to the end of the story. But remember, Jesus is testing, and he's testing her, so it's not fair. But we have every indication Jesus, when he turned, whether he turned away or just was silent, we have every indication he was looking into the eyes of his disciple while this was taking place. I personally believe that, because we see that happen in Jesus in other instances. We told a story, I preached back here about a half a year ago, about the story of, the, of Mary, and she brought the alabaster jar of perfume, and she broke it, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped it down with her hair, and Jesus was in the house of the Pharisees. And when all that was happening, Jesus began to respond to what was taking place, but he wasn't talking to her, he was looking at the people. Jesus was, he's constantly testing us, because what's he doing? He's revealing what's in our heart. We don't even know what's there. He does. He has an amazing way of pulling it out. So Jesus is about to pull some things out of hearts that day. We're going to see something. And I think we're going to see some things. But I'm praying you and I will see things in our own heart today as his spirit is testing us this day here in June. So he's, I believe he's looking at his disciples, and they're in a test as well. They don't know that. They think this is just simply a situation that has come their way. They're not surprised that Jesus isn't talking to her. After all, let's understand a little bit about the times. Jesus is a rabbi. And rabbis in Jesus' day did, did not just dialogue with people of that distinction. Here is an interesting saying I came across. There's an ancient rabbinic saying that says this, quote, He that talks with womankind brings evil to himself, neglects the study of the law, and at last will inherit hell end quote. That is harsh. He that talks with womankind, if you talk to a woman, well, that's evil. You're going to stop studying the law and you'll at last inherit hell. That was the, that was the common saying of Jesus' day. So it kind of puts you and I into perspective. This was not out of place for Jesus to have done that as a rabbi. Now, you and I would say it's out of place for Jesus. You're right. But they didn't see that. You see, they're of the world. This is of the world kind of way things are happening. We, we're, we know better. We know better. I'm not saying we are better, but we know better when we look at this story. And so the disciples respond. And they pipe up and they say to Jesus, he's looking at them and he's, 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 he's not saying anything. So the disciples respond to this and, and they say to Jesus, uh, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Send her away, Lord send her away. They fully expect. Now, this is after the disciples. They just didn't start last week following Jesus. They've been with Jesus for a while. They have watched Jesus interact with people, and yet they still would say this. It's somewhat surprising. Send her away, Lord. 
She keeps crying out after us. In other words, she didn't ask once. She kept saying, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on my daughter. She kept crying out. And they said, send her away. And I'm very curious of what they said, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Us? I don't remember them saying, Peter, have mercy. I don't remember her saying, James, have mercy. She came and said, Lord, have mercy. It was funny how when you are in the in crowd, when you're with the privileged, we're one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're one of them. Uh, so they identified, we're, we're, she's bugging us. She's asking us things and she's making us uncomfortable. No, she was asking Jesus. I found that curious that they would say that. And that's uh, truly to the language that was spoken here. So Jesus moves on to the next part. Because remember, this is a test. His next words are addressed to the disciples in response to their question, send her away. So Jesus says to the disciples, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Ah, exactly. That's exactly what they were thinking. I mean, Jesus is simply putting theology to what they're already thinking. I was sent only to the lost sheep of it. I was sent just to our people. Um, our people are in need. And so I give them first. What's left over, maybe the other. I give my people first. He was responding to what, of course, was already in their own hearts and minds. In other words, we're the favorites. We're, we're, we're the in people. Jesus, though, doesn't send her away. He simply makes comment, but he does not do what they asked him to do. He does not turn around and send her away. He doesn't do it. Not, not the way they thought this was going to play out. And Jesus watches to see how his disciples will respond. Will anybody agree with him? Will anyone get what's taking place here? You know, this would have been a really good point. This would have been a good place for one of the disciples to say, maybe Peter, you know, he's impetuous. Um, Lord, I'll just let me do it. Uh, she's got a genuine need, and, and I don't want to bother you, Lord. I'll go and I'll pray for her daughter. Uh, or maybe James, he, he would later take the leadership of the group, and, and maybe James would say, uh, Lord, maybe we, we do have a few more minutes. Maybe we can just stop and just pray for this one. None did it. Now, remember, this was a, they're not doing very good. They're playing along. Jesus says, I've been sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, and they're, they're, this was a great moment for them to disagree with him. This was a great moment for them to rise up and because they knew it wasn't true. Everyone knew it wasn't true. They knew Jesus was going to all regions that Jesus could reach to. Jesus actually was in another region at the time. He was doing miracles in another region. That wasn't true what Jesus said. Somebody needed to stand up and say, no, 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 this is not how we do it. It's how the world does it. It's what other rabbis might do. It's my teachers and, and Sadducees and Pharisees and of the law. Yeah, they might do that, but no, we're not like them. You see, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. No, that's not the way we spin. We don't do this. But not one stepped up when Jesus said, I've sent only to the lost sheep of Israel to see if there would be anyone who would rise up and not just go the way of the crowd, but would rise up and say, no, no, no. No, that's actually not what you are, Jesus. No, you actually do go to every 
one. You will look for the one who's lost and leave the 99 if necessary. You will wait for that prodigal to come home again. You will look for the coin if it's lost until it is found. Jesus, you're not like the rest. But nobody pipes up that day. They are quiet. No one responds. I actually think they probably are just kind of, yep, nodding their heads. Yep, 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 you're right. Now, simultaneously, as the disciples are under this pretty intense test, the woman's going through a test of herself. He has just rejected her. He not only has not answered her, he has spoken derogatively, it sounds, discriminatorily against people like her. Like, like he doesn't go to those kinds of people. It would have been so easy for her not to persevere. It would have been so easy for her to respond negatively. How does she respond? Well, you know the story. We read it. She kneels on the ground and utters these frail words. Listen to them. Lord, help me. That's all she said. Lord, help me. Now, I'm going to take pause again here because those three words are some of the most powerful words. I can't tell you. I'm going to say I have probably spoken those words a thousand times, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. Those are probably my three favorite words because when I don't understand things, and there is much I don't understand, Lord, help me. I don't get what's happening. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't understand the direction. Lord, help me. I don't get Lord, help me. You know, I think there's three sets of words that are some of the most powerful words. I love you. Please forgive me. Lord, help me. And that's what she said. Did you note again how she addressed him? She didn't say you. She didn't say you arrogant person. She didn't say you discriminate, you discriminate person, you racist. She didn't use any of those words. None of that. She came back with her word, Lord, help me. What a hoss. What a, what a posture of humility. What a posture of not going to be put off, of perseverance, patience. Actually, the fruit of the Spirit, you can just all wrap it up. She was evidencing some fruit here. Oh, my goodness. She was staying with it. I don't know what I would have done. I may well have got up, even though... Even though my beloved child was suffering, that might have been too much for me. That might have been just the straw that broke the camel's back. But she didn't. She was committed to something that was bigger and deeper than all of this. The disciples are watching. People are watching. And she is now on her knees. She has just been silenced. The disciples have spoke derogatively towards her. Jesus has just said something that doesn't make sense. And she stays with it. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Well, Jesus turns to her. And he says, now he speaks to her. It is, he's answering her. It is not right to take children's bread and toss it to their dogs. It's not getting any better for her. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Right? We know the end of the story. Remember, this is a... And a test has to pull stuff out that we otherwise normally would hide. And so he turns to her and he says, it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now let me understand the gravity of what Jesus said. 
He said it is not right. He's talking of what's right and not right. It's not lawful. It is not legitimate. It is not what we do. It's not what the world does to do this. Listen, he says, what you're asking me, we don't do. What you're asking me is not socially accepted. It's not right. People are always demanding their rights. It's not right. He goes on to take the children's bread, and he was clear reference to the Jews. Not right to take our bread. Those who are part of my people, my people, their bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, the word dogs doesn't mean your cute little dog because, goodness, I'm aware there are dogs who eat better than people. I mean, some of your dogs eat better than us. I mean, we feed them scraps from the table. We don't give them crumbs. We give them like seriously good dog food. Some of our dogs, I mean, they're not dogs. They're, they're like little people. Jesus isn't making reference to that. Dogs in Jesus' day were of the lowest class. Dogs were called scavengers. They were garbage eaters. They were considered like pigs. What's Jesus doing? He's forcing his disciples to face themselves. He's in effect saying to the disciples, he's saying, you want me to get rid of this woman? You want me to min limit my ministry to Israel? That's what you want. Okay. But before I do, would you take long enough time to listen to her cry for her daughter? Her daughter is suffering. Her daughter's a real person. She's a real, the mother is a real mother. This is a real situation. How will the disciples respond? Well, we don't hear any more from the disciples. Nothing more. The test is over for them. But now the woman, what's she about to do? Will she insult Jesus right back? He is now silenced. He's spoken derogatively to the disciples, and he has now spoken about dogs to her, crumbs to her. And she has said, will she run away? Or, instead of running away, or is her love for her daughter so intense? Is her trust in Jesus' power to heal so deep? Is her faith in Jesus' compassion so strong? Is her commitment to him as Lord and Master so unwavering that nothing will deter her? I'm going to say that again because when, when put that down, that was that to me, I bolded it. Is her love for her daughter so intense? Is her trust in Jesus' power to heal so deep? Is her faith in Jesus' compassion so strong? And is her commitment to him as Lord and Master so unwavering that she won't be deterred? So what's her response? She does respond. And before she does, here's what I think's taken place. I think hope has leapt alive in her. You see, up to this very point, Jesus hasn't looked to her. But now Jesus has turned from his disciples who failed the test. And he is now squared off with her. She has his full attention. She is facing the Son of God. And the Son of God is facing her. And she knows it. And hope is screaming in her. And she responds, yes, Lord. Third time she says, Lord. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She uses a different word for dogs. We don't get it in English word. Jesus, when he put the word dogs, was big dogs. When she uses the word dogs, she says, but even the littlest, most insignificant dog eats 
crumbs, the smallest particles that might fall. You know how you clean off the table and you tell your kids, hey, make sure when you clean off the table, you clean it into your hands and throw it in the garbage. But how many of us cleaned off the table and we looked around nobody and we cleaned it onto the floor? We let the crumbs fall to the floor. That's the crumbs she's referring to. But even the littlest of dogs can grab those little tiny crumbs that fall on the floor. That's what she was saying. You see, that day when the woman approached the disciples, the disciples thought they were looking at their inferior. The thought that she might have anything to teach them did not even remotely occur in their wildest of dreams. But teach them she does. Wow, does she pass the test. Does she pass the test? Jesus turns and he declares, and if it was modern English, it would be, wow. You know, we say, wow, to, wow, great is your faith. He is saying, you have faith greater than anyone in this crowd. Greater is your faith. And then he comments and he says, your daughter is healed. And it says instantly, the demon left her. By the power of her faith, the task that she stayed with Jesus, when Jesus says, great is your faith, that word great, that word great actually means mega. It's a picture of like, have you ever been to a mega mall? You know, like a bazillion stores. You just, you, you park out in the back hundred and, and you can never hit all the stores and you get lost and you have to find the director to get back out again. Mega, mega. And Jesus is mega faith. She is mega faith. Mega faith. Why? Well, let me go back because... Her love for her daughter was so intense. Her trust in Jesus' power was so deep. Her faith in Jesus' compassion was so strong. And her commitment to him as Lord and Master so unwavering, she passed the test. I want to close this. Because this is a, for you and I. First of all, the woman. If we were in the woman's shoes, I wondered, would my commitment to the mission, would my commitment, Jesus said in John, he said, I've sent them into this world. They're not to be of this world. Do we get that our mission is so important that we will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. The world will not understand us. The systems won't understand us. Human rights won't understand us. Hello, human rights won't get it. Discrimination is there. It will continue to be. Racism, all that stuff. It's not right. You don't legitimize it. Yes, there are the privileged and the less privileged. We're here on a mission, though. We're not like that. And if we begin to feel, if you feel that you've been spoken less of, if you feel that, that you have been ignored, if you feel that dirt has been done, what is your response are you going to square off? Are you going to be like everyone else in responding? Or is your response going to be different? This woman is a hero of the faith. Jesus wants that story to live on for eternity, and I think it's going to. She, in weighing her mission, stayed in the posture of humility, knowing that Jesus was the answer. Do you fully believe and have faith in Jesus that you keep that posture before him? Or let's maybe put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples. I look inside 
I see injustice. You know, I see stuff there that shouldn't be there. When he tests me like that, I don't like it. I'm sure the disciples felt the sting when Jesus said, I wish you all had faith like her. They didn't see that one coming. You see, Jesus was acting according to what they perceived. He was acting in keeping of the day, the prejudice of the day. But he really slammed it when he said, we all need to have faith like that. That's the kind of faith you need. Realizing that he just exposed their unjust heart. Maybe this morning, can you take a look inside? Maybe the Holy Spirit is showing what's not right in there. This is a good time. I think we live in a time, hey, have you been listening to what's going on in the news, south of the border, north of the border, what's going on around us? It's not a time to do nothing. It's a time to say, listen, God, you're showing me something inside my own heart. You're showing me something. Are we simply following the crowd? Are we simply of the crowd? Are we simply of our traditions? Are we ready to learn from the test and become a person of mega faith? Well, I'm going to close our time in prayer. But as I do, if you were again with me at 390 Industrial Parkway, I'd be saying, come to the front. <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. I'd have the band playing softly in the background, and I'd be saying, come to the front. There's a time to step out. There's a time to say, God, forgive me. There's things in my heart I've not treated people the way I need to treat people. It might be husbands and wife. It might be uh, skin color. It might be class difference. I don't know what it is, but Holy Spirit, do show me, show me, because I am not exempt from these things. The disciples did not see it inside them until Jesus had to go through all those things to pull it out. They had their moment to say, Lord, we don't do this, and they didn't. And today, we are still under the gun of that test. I believe the Holy Spirit is testing us. And my prayer is, God, may I come out. May I come out having been refined. Wash me. Wash those things of my heart. God, help me. Help me not to discriminate. Help me not to put social discrepancies between people. And I, you know, if you ask me, do I think I have that problem? I'd probably say no. But here's the thing. Then let's ask the Holy Spirit, but Lord, would you reveal to me if I do? And if you sincerely mean it, he will. Because again, he has an amazing way to pull the dirt up and to say, are you prepared to deal with it? So we want to pray. You ready? We're all at the altar now. We're all at the altar. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to just really do some surgery in our hearts today. So Father in heaven, Lord God, we come to you like this woman. Lord, have mercy on us because we are in need of your mercy. God, we pray, even as the woman prayed, Lord, help me. We don't understand. We all, and, and I imagine from all our backgrounds, I know people are watching here from every race, from every color, from every age, from every gender, from every um, social background we're watching. There's a, uh, a plethora of people gathered today watching this, or maybe later listening to this on podcast. And Lord, as we listen to this, now we are facing this test that, Lord, would you reveal what's in our hearts? Lord, if there's any wicked way in us, cleanse us. 
but better than that, bring to our mind what it is. Bring to our mind where we have, we have discriminated. We have not been on a mission from you, but we've been more like the world that we live in. We're more like a society that has rights and wrongs and the traditions and those things in place that Lord, we be people that are like you. And Lord, we pray, forgive us, forgive us. Lord, may we be like the one who cries out, God, forgive me for what I've done and not be like them to say, God, forgive them. They're a wretched bunch of people. Lord, as we turn on the news, as we listen to others, as we see others, may we not be saying, God, I'm thankful I'm not like them. Lord, may we look inside and say, God, what part of that am I playing into? And even if I do nothing, if I say nothing, I'm guilty because justice requires response. So Lord, forgive us. And Lord, now help us to be able to have the faith of this woman. That Lord, we would face demons and they would flee because we have placed our trust confidence in you and that lord we are walking uprightly circumspectly in tandem with your spirit grant that today we pray lord help us to make a difference in this day we pray in jesus name and if that's your prayer would you say amen if not say amen say amen amen on behalf of the person sitting beside you on the couch amen well again i'm glad that you joined today uh a lot to think about a lot of stuff to uh, pray through so i uh, trust that you will do that thanks for listening to the aurora cornerstone podcast remember to subscribe for more information about our church and our ministries visit auroracornerstone.ca